once more and to breach dear friends. The word impossible is only in the dictionary of fools. If my descendants wish to be as strong as I was, they must study patience. The Ultra Working Podcast. All great events hang by your hair. The man of ability takes advantage of everything and neglects nothing that can give him a chance of success. When people are asked to estimate the likelihood of a project finishing in some time, I think it often benefits to imagine someone else doing the work. Right? How long does stuff like this usually take? Just, you know, when people substitute themselves in, it's like, oh, this will be two weeks. Right. It's like, how long does it would, would, uh, would, uh, just a very slightly incompetent team take to do this? Um, six months. I'm Sebastian Marshall. That's my co-founder Kai Zhao, who just opened this episode. Uh, we're talking about estimation. What we want to explore today is, you know, why it's so hard to know how long things take to complete. Uh, why does this mess people's lives up so much? Um, and then, so what do we do about it? How do we get better at it? How do we simulate and predict the future? So Kai, we're doing it. Um, let's, let's talk about incompetent teams. Why, when people do things internally, do they get it wrong? Like, like, whereas you look externally, it goes better. There's something around human communication, uh, that oftentimes, uh, it's not trying to capture the truth or it's not trying to capture reality exactly as it is. There's oftentimes a part of, you know, convincing other people or sometimes even convincing oneself. And so if you can take the self out of it, you can take the kind of implications out of it, that tends to lend to uh, something that is a little bit closer to reality. The ability to kind of draw an experience in a very real way, like for, for whatever reason, you know, like people recognize all the time, right? They, they can see the mistakes that other people are doing, but are, you know, very, very uh, unable to see the mistakes in their own life. I remember reading a book, uh, I think the enigma of reason, putting forth this idea that as social creatures, we have the shortcut. We're very, very good at picking up the mental mistakes of others. But uh, as an efficiency, we can just short circuit. We just don't have to think through our own thoughts very much because if they are accepted by the group, hey, good enough. Um, You're killing me, Kai. This is tragic. This is like really, really, really bad. We can spot other people's flaws, but not our own. When somebody is like, you know, I'm going to go out and make 100 new sales for my business and it's going to blow up. And you're like, you ain't going to do that, man. I'd be happy if you make like five sales. But then you're like, okay, how many sales are you going to make? 100. (laughs) You know, it's like it's ridiculous, but everybody does it. I think it's a it's a pretty general pattern. And there might even be something to it in the in the advantage where for, for things that happen all the time, right? You should, at, least, at the very least through experience, uh, get a sense of how long they take. But when we're talking about embarking on a brand new thing, right? Starting a business or writing a book or you know, take, taking anything ambitious, if you knew the full scope of what you were signing up for and how all of the things could go wrong and stuff like, maybe you wouldn't do it in the first place. So there is something on the other side of this too. Yeah, that's huge, by the way. That is that is a huge thing to surmount. I'm so glad you said that because, you know, we've touched on two to three of the points actually already of why people don't know how long things are going to take. First one is super interesting. People can spot other people's flaws more than their own. Then the second is that kind of optimism and wishful thinking is built into that. Then you've got like the fact that there's just unknown stuff. So how would you know? You don't have anything. But 
that last point is super interesting. I think it's a huge point of becoming mature. Um, if you're an entrepreneur or if you're an inventor or if you're doing anything that's really kind of wildly creative, you're working in a new medium, it's critical to be able to be like, this is going to be 300 hours to get good. And I'm willing to do that. And that's going to take me, if I can do 20 hours a week on this, so I'm kind of disciplined in addition to whatever else I'm doing, I'm going to have to be on this for 15 weeks for 20 hours a week to have this good. And I'm willing to pay that price because this is going to be blockbuster. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I'll take like a week or two. I'll put in like 30 hours. Right. And then you're like one fifth done. And you're like, oh, oh, right. But you got started. So you go a little further. Also underestimating. You still, it's almost done. And then you go a little further and so on. Right. So a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people that wouldn't get an entrepreneurship if they knew how hard it was. But then they succeed once they eventually get their mind around it. Right. I think a huge part of maturity is the ability to say, that's going to take a long time and a lot of consistency. And I'm willing to pay that price because it's worth it. And it's going to be awesome. But yeah, it's going to take like 300 hours over 15 weeks. I better get dialed in. I better make sure I'm not traveling for six weeks in the middle of it that I'm going to give up. You know, if I have a hard week, I better make sure I don't go three weeks in a row without working on it. Right. So I think that's critical. Before we get into like just getting a lot better at this, let's like let people uh, feel the pain and the agony and the misery and the existential horror that comes from bad estimation. Um, it's critical, right? You got to get dialed in on this. Like things fail all the time that we're promising because people underestimate how many hours in labor time or how many days in calendar time when you're waiting for something that you need. This like sinks good people all the time. It doesn't even have to be straight failure. I think a lot of things get cut down to size at the very last stages of a project, right? Things are already over time. Things are, you know, there, there's a lot of built up pressure to get something out the door. And well, what gets sacrificed, right? A lot of, in some ways, the, the, the most valuable parts, mm. right? A lot of the, the, the polish, a lot of the testing, a lot of the um, kind of, you know, the, maybe part of the reason why you did the project in the first place. Never mind the fact that it's just less enjoyable to be playing catch up and, you know, having to make those cuts. So for anybody that doesn't know, Kai and I have been friends for over a decade. Uh, we wrote a book together, Gateless. Um, we did a bunch of projects together. We did a bunch of nonprofit and education stuff together. Um, I was not competent, but incredibly well-meaning and hardworking in the nonprofit space. And it's amazing how much you can get done even while incompetent if you're well-meaning and hardworking. Um, I think I'm a little more competent these days, but Kai would ride shotgun with me. And, you know, I had a project success rate back in the day of like 30%. Like one out of three things I try to do would work. And when Kai would roll with me, it would go up to like the high 90s percent, which is Kai's project success rate as estimated by me. And he always is like modest and, and kind of fights off that number and stuff. But it's like 99. <laughs> it's like, Kai, like everything Kai does works. Um, you know, as we got dialed in on this a little more, once things go down to the deadline of like, okay, starting January 1st, I've got this really big thing happening. It's October right now, but I got until January to get our book finished or whatever. If you can get the darn thing finished in November, right? You got all of November and December to do the final last reader feedback to make it really shine, make sure the intro is really tight and then promote it and actually get people reading your book and sell some copies and do all the cool stuff. Whereas if you get the stuff out on December 31st and you've cut some of the favorite chapters and it's not proofread, then you don't do the marketing, you don't do the promotion. You know, if you're doing anything that's ongoing, like there's an ops component, you don't study it to see how it can be better next time. And like Kai 
to the extent that he beats anyone, he beat this out of me over time where he'd be like, Marshall, like you like mess around early in the beginning of stuff and then things go long and you underestimate how long it would take. And then we don't get all the gains and like that sucks. And like, Marshall, like, why are you doing this every time we work on stuff? Like, stop or I'm going to beat you up. Um, and thank you. But I'm not sure I've ever thanked you for beating <laughs> this out of me. Um, so now we like actually when we do projects, we'll schedule two weeks after the project you know, ends to consolidate, to promote it. If it's something we want people using to study it, to analyze, to learn, to improve the operations. And like, that's better. Um, and you know, relatedly Kai, and this is now getting into kind of the solution. You panic a lot earlier than most people do. And, and you spot that like, whoa, like we've got six weeks for this. We're two weeks in this. This is like more than four weeks of work in our current scope. And you like get, like, whoa, whoa, this is, this is dangerous when like everyone else is chilling and they're going to notice that it's dangerous when there's like a week left and you're only 50% done. You get like worried when you're two out of six weeks in and you're 10% done. You're like, whoa, we are not on pace. This is going to be uh, an absolute mess at the end. This is going to be frantic at the end. We're going to cut scope on all the stuff we like best at the end. We're going to not capitalize on the gains at the end. So like, let's like do that right now and get back on pace. Um, how did that sense come about? I've gradually, my panic window or, or get seriously concerned window has gradually moved back in time as a result of working with you. I can actually break this down, I think, somewhat mechanically. So at any given point, you want to have visibility on how something finishes, right? You can actually have that at the very beginning of the project, but that tends to be a little bit more imaginary or a little bit more, uh, more speculative because you discover things about, about uh, the work as you go along. So if you're talking about anything significant, anything taking place um, over the course of weeks, the moment that you know the most about the project is actually after you finish it. So you aren't able to say from the, from, from the very beginning exactly how the finish will come forth. But I think most people don't intuitively go through that process of, okay, we're going to start this thing. And what's it going to look like? What are all the transformations uh, that need to happen between here and the finish line. Um, and as a result, you can, you can always see the next step. You, you're always fine um, up until the last moment where you see the finish line and realize that, oh, wow, like we're still far away, right? So panic window, I think uh, it's not even so much a single panic window or a single moment in time, so much as just being able to sanity check at whatever level of fidelity the distance or, or your, your progress against that finish. People don't think this way. This sounds like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to pay attention. People don't think this way. They don't actually think about like, is this thing getting complete? They're like, I'm working on it. I'm feeling good because I'm working on it. And it's like, dude, there's a lot of stuff you got to do and it ain't done. And like time is passing. To the extent that uh, you can map out all of the different things that need to happen, um, it is actually useful to do so, right? Sometimes those things change around. So you don't need to do this at a very, very granular, you know, like task level that oftentimes isn't necessary. Um, but broadly, right, at whatever level makes sense, you can capture the beats of what need to happen between the project's beginning and end. Whether you are thinking about it or not, whether you made adjustments for those or not, whether you have the resources for those or not, those things are going to be there. You can either notice them ahead of time and prepare for them, or you can just, you know, run into them ad hoc. So here's one of the problems, Kai, in my opinion, with this sort of thing, is when somebody like you says what you just said, 
the veteran project managers listens to you is like, yep, that guy gets it. And the person that like kind of sucks, which was me, I don't know, 10 years ago was for sure me. And that's become less true over time are like, that guy just said something that I, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> right. And that's, that's the end of it. So I want to introduce something that I think is key and I hated this. And some of the people that are like a little disorganized and their stuff is not finishing on time. are going to not like hearing it, but it's totally true. When I paid attention to how much time the people whose projects finish on time spend on the meta management of like, let me look at everything that needs to happen. And let me look at what's already scheduled besides that. And let me see if it's going to work and let me update my timelines on when things are going to be done. Like is like three plus hours per week is typically what I see. Less so if you're like dialed in, you're writing one haiku a day, you know, it's one a day. It's always happening. You're doing it in the morning. You want a hundred haikus. That's a hundred days. Like that's obvious, right? So you don't need to spend three hours thinking about that, right? You know, if you're doing a complex thing, let's say you got a full-time job, right? And then you've got, you know, whatever, a little bit of travel, you're going to your, your friend's wedding, you know, you're doing some stuff and you're like, okay, here's how much progress we're actually making. We're like a month into this thing. I'm going to the wedding in two weeks. I'm not going to get that much done, right? And let people then do wishful thinking. And it's like, when you're traveling and you got a wedding, you're going to be at best 40% productivity if you like work really hard to get it. I mean, that's not always true, but like close enough, right? And in, in the absence of like looking at like, how fast is this getting done? What else needs to get done? And what else is going on? Like, you're just screwed. Um, and it's like, when I first realized this, it was so boring. I just like, I, I like like inventing things and creating things. And like, I don't necessarily naturally, I don't necessarily like looking at the calendar, looking at what's already committed, looking at the pessimistic estimates of things go wrong, and then seeing when are things going to get done. And then, okay, what do we got to do? Do we got to like bring somebody on to like do this piece of it that like uh, an outsourcer or a freelancer could help out with this 20% because we just ain't going to get like, that was what I was going to do in two steps. But if I'm doing that, I ain't doing this other stuff and this thing's going to be late. Or like, do we have to just cut this like really cool thing? Or do I have to like clear my calendar? And like the way I see it is that the really good ops people are like getting dialed in and they're spending 30 minutes here, an hour there, doing a review, looking at the schedule, looking at all this stuff regularly, which is generating that is the project getting done on time? Is this thing going to actually happen? What do we do about it sort of thing? I think a lot of this boils down to expectations, right? There's this tension between wanting to, you know, tell this uh, story to ourselves that, oh yeah, like I'm awesome. Everything's going to finish on time. Things are going to be great. Everything is going to happen exactly the way I want it to. Um, and trying to map out what an indifferent reality will uh, you know, usually present. And reality is just reality. Right? We're just trying to peg it at what it is. For simple things where either you have the experience or there just aren't that many moving pieces, you can keep all the moving pieces in your head. You don't have to write them down. Yeah, into human intuition's fine. But uh, when we're talking about juggling things at a like order of magnitude of complexity that we're talking about now, where it's dozens, hundreds, thousands of, uh, of things that interact in ways that nobody can keep in their head at the highest level of detail at one time, then yeah, like we got to do something about that. We got to, you know, like take some time to, to, to process it. I kind of see the, the planning as the price of doing larger things. People like that hear the word planning make like totally useless, worthless plans that like don't do anything and then don't update them. And like the, the, their plans are useless. Like I, I'm, if somebody's bad at planning and bad at estimation, better advice than make a plan first is just get started and hustle 
like if you want to be like on it and ship a ton of projects very successfully and on it, whether you're running an organization, you got a team, or even if you're solo, like being dialed in and, and being good at planning, estimating, and updating the plan is the 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 best equilibrium. But better than that is like no plan run fast is better than in the middle with like bad plan. And I think this is like mm. critical to understand. Like bad plan that's like wrong and has wrong assumptions and has the wrong stuff written in the wrong order that people kind of feel kind of bound to do that nobody's updating and nobody's speaking up that the plan is bad is worse than no plan. Cause if you have no plan, people get together and talk about it from time to time, or you get together with yourself from time to time, you know, you don't have a plan. It's kind of like, it'd be better to be in a, a plane that's crashing, you know, knowing you don't have a parachute than like thinking that backpack has a parachute in it. You're going to act differently, right? Parachute is the optimum. <laughs> No parachute is like, well, I'm not jumping out of this thing. Or if I am, I'm not jumping out and thinking I have a parachute. And like backpack that you're like, I'm good. You know, not the answer. So that that was tricky for me is that I was didn't have a mind that naturally kind of the quote unquote engineer's mind. We break everything into component pieces. We update and stuff. I just didn't think that way. This is something that I'm not even sure how much you can weigh in at as somebody that had a natural skill there. Whereas I've like, uh, you know, like that Bane's. Quote, you know, Bane from Batman, Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. You, you know which quote I'm talking about? I would guess it to be, uh, you adopted the dark. I was born <laughs> in it. <laughs> I was born in it, right? <laughs> so you're kind of like Bane and I'm kind of like Bruce Wayne on the project thing, you know, right? Where I'm like, I adopted the dark. I'm like, all right, I'm going to put this little bat mask on. I'm going to go like mess up some criminals at night. And you're like, I was born in this pit. And you know, right? Like, so like, you're really good at it. Like, how do people get through that uncanny valley? Where like they're trying to do it and they're doing it wrong and it sucks. Maybe we avoid the word planning altogether. Maybe we replace it with the word prediction. Hmm. Right. And maybe we put some weight on that. Right. Like I almost imagine putting a bet on the outcomes of like what actually happens in a certain amount of time. Because when we say plan, you're right that this this oftentimes does get conflated with uh, the ideal reality. What would I like? It's more like a wish list. Yeah. Fantasy. Fantasy is another word that... that Fantasy that, that, is a synonym for bad planning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so there's like knowing everything I know about myself, knowing about the resources we have, knowing about, about you know, everyone working on this. Um, what would be my prediction given a certain set of inputs? Um, Wild ass guess would also be an acceptable thing to call it, just so we're getting the uh, level of scientific precision correct here. Absolutely. What is my wild guess as to how long this thing will take? No. And I I haven't actually, you know, like this is just a passing thought as we're we're exploring this. I, I feel like engineers tend to, you know, develop this, not... There's certainly some, you know, personality driving people into the field, but I think the the you know like math and engineering they tend to just be more unforgiving around mm. uh, kind of like imprecision around these uh, around your kind of estimates and plans, right? So you over time certainly get uh, get get calibrated on something and uh, a little bit I think to something a little finer grained on. It's like thinking through all the different stages of something. But uh, I wonder if being able to actually review this over time, you know, a lot of the tools that people use, whether you're using paper or, uh, or, or something electronic, um, I feel like most people use them in the moment and very few people flip back. This drives know, me crazy. This drives me week. crazy. Preach, man. What, what? Yeah, this is wrong. Well, just like 
the most basic one is like, how often were you right? Right. How, how often did things go according to that plan? You know, th this could be on the results basis. This could be on the, just like how many things people like to cram in a day. Um, a quote that, that this reminds me of is, uh, I think Bill Gates had a quote that was people overestimate what they can get done in a year, but underestimate what can be done in 10 years. And I always like to modify this quote because Bill Gates is a billionaire and has 10-year time horizons. But I think the average person is not planning uh, you know, 10 years ahead. I think most people way overestimate what they can get done in a day, but they way underestimate what can be done in a year. So there's kind of something to like what level you're you kind of thinking about these plans on, right? People get bummed out, but like people can be like, wow, I'm actually really bad at this and I just learned that, right? And it's like, okay, in six months, you could actually be top 5% at this. Like you could be like good and you can, if you get a little lucky and you get obsessed with it, you could get to top 2% in things a lot faster than you think. But people want to be really good this week. Yeah, and the tricky thing is uh, <laughs> around this is, I think it comes back to expectations, right? A phrase I throw around sometimes is human size, right? I feel like time has a component of that, right? Where, where we talk about grand plans of like a year or two, and that's just like, that's just beyond the, the, the yeah, scale. Yeah. That, uh, the, I mean, even two weeks, yeah. I think, is probably beyond the intuitive sense of a lot of people. Um, and that's, well, that, that'll certainly hold you back if you're trying to plan things in any longer duration of that. So a lot of people do weekly reviews on the weekend or maybe on Monday or maybe on Friday, but, but Saturday or Sunday is the most common. And then they plan the upcoming week. Basically, like I get dialed in on them. I start working a little bit on Saturday and then by Sunday morning, I get dialed in what I want to do in the week. I, I would come strong out of the gate. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, good. Wednesday or Thursday, things would start to go badly. Friday, things would go badly. Saturday might be like a recharge and think about why things are going badly. And Sunday, I would get dialed in. It took me way longer of like, because, you know, I got stats and data and stuff, but I got to like look at it and find the trends. It took me way longer to figure out that I could like get a tight 80% fidelity if nothing crazy happens thing for the next three, four days. And by that time, things will have changed enough that what I said I was going to do on Sunday on Thursday is not valid anymore. Sometimes it is. It happens. It's not unheard of. But so I started midweek redoing it. So I only try to have tight fidelity on the next three days. Then I have like loose fidelity on a month. I theme every month. And, and uh, a lot of people, um, both our customers and our team have taken this up. You go to ultraworking.com slash monthly. If you want to do ultraworking style monthly planning, I pick a theme for a month. So like, okay, this month I'm developing this thing or doing that thing and I name it, whatever. You can check it out at ultraworking.com slash monthly. We'll also link it in the show notes for you. So that was helpful. I started writing down once I got a project milestone. I was like, okay, I'm going to write an essay. I would write down a low end range and a high end range of how long I think it's going to take. And then when I got it done, I would write the start time and end time when I work. And then when I got it done, I would write down how long it actually took. And when I first started doing this, things took a lot longer than I thought they would. And after hmm, not very long, um, I got better. And after like about a year of this, now my estimates usually come right down the middle. I'm still drastically wrong on new things from time to time, though there's tools around that that you could deal with. But I started like writing down, how long is this going to take? I estimate in cycles, half hour blocks. I say, how many half hour blocks is this going to take? Right? So I say, okay, this is going to take three half hour blocks. It's going to take between three and five. And like, then I write down, okay, it was four, cool. I knew what I was doing. If it's only one, I'm thinking this thing's gonna take three times longer. 
I think it's going to be 90 minutes and it's actually 30 minutes. Wow. I thought that'd take three times longer. Why? Hmm. Maybe I just didn't want to do it. So I was making it a bigger deal than it was. Okay. This thing's only going to take two half hour blocks. It's going to take one hour. Then it's like five. Okay. Like I was excited about that and I thought it would be easy and I neglected some stuff. So I did that for a while on everything. And like, then you actually know how long things take and you get really, really, really well calibrated on this. Then you can know what you can get done in a week. So that's how I learned it. Getting into other similar techniques, right? So that we can give people, so we got some mental models. We got something to think about. A good example of that could be, uh, you know, estimating the time it takes for you to get from, say, your home to the office. It can happen in um, 80%, like, say, you know, 20 minutes, right? Usually, even if there's a little tiny bit of traffic, even you have to get held up a little bit. But uh, there's also a chance that the th things are very congested or there's, a, there's an emergency. They close down the road and it might take a full hour, right? If you were going to set yourself up, uh, if you're going to set up a set of rules to, so that you could always arrive on time, um, 80% isn't going to cut it. Like one out of five days, you're you know, likely to be late. And so this kind of uneven spread of the possible outcomes um, can get very extreme, right? The, you know, like you can only save so much time, but uh, the, the theoretical amount of time that it could take uh, pretty much just keeps on going up. And within projects, especially new uncharted projects, your sense of, you know, where, you know, what, what, what things uh, kind of might hit at the, the, the more, the, the top end of that um, is just going to, or you're just not going to have a, a fingertip feel on that. So that's uh, that's L-shaped curves. Like it's actually a huge hard problem for, for something you've interacted with Uber and Lyft. They give you an ETA on a car. So if the car is two minutes away, there's a 90% chance it'll be there within four minutes. And then there's like a 5% chance it'll be there within 10 or 15 minutes if the driver makes a wrong turn or has to get pulled around the block. And then there's like a 5% chance that the car just will never show up, right? So what do you tell people is the ETA? Do you say two minutes? Do you say four minutes? Do you say 10 minutes to be safe and be six minutes early most of the time? This is actually really hard. And, you know, they could say under four minutes with 90% confidence and under 10 minutes with 95% confidence, but like people don't want that. So like, that's tough, right? And the way I heard that described, I believe it was Matthew Jukes who originally um, applied this to software development. L-shaped curves you can find on Wikipedia. We'll link it in the show notes. This is worth studying. It just looks like an L, right? Of like, how long will this take? And it's kind of like roll a die, like a dice, right? Like a die, like roll a die with 10 sides on it, like a 10 sided die, right? There's if you play Dungeons and Dragons, you know what this is. If you don't, there's dice that don't have six sides. They have 10. It's, you know, it's like a shaped a little more like a cone, right? Like a two-sided cone or whatever. It's, it's a 10-sided die. So, you know, you roll a 10-sided die. If it comes up one to nine, it'll take one hour to do. If it comes up 10, it'll take 10 hours to do. How long is that going to take to do? It's not two hours on average, right? It's either an hour or 10. So it's either like ain't no thing or like big, big, big problem. You know what I mean? And that's super hard to plan around is these L-shaped curves. How do you deal with that, Kai? Software is like this. Like if the library that says it works, works, then we're good. And if it doesn't work and I have to write this from scratch, it's going to take like a while. Like how do, how do you deal with that? Because this like sinks people when something, you know, takes 10 times as long as they thought or there's a 10% chance that it'll take a long time. In general, it's uh, that each... <laughs> I think uh, trying to trying to isolate those uh, the, those and and find out as quickly as possible, you know which uh, which side of the die uh, we're we're actually dealing with, because you, you sometimes uh, especially in software, 
you don't actually fully have to implement something before you can have confidence that it will, will work. There's a, all you really need is the proof of concept, right? If, and if you're comfortable rolling forward with that, then we'll like, we can just mark that in the plans as either a one or a 10. Um, and before we, you know, in, engage with that, um, there's not really a, there's actually not much use in, I think, actually estimating it. Oh, that's fascinating. So if there's like a super risky thing, right? You could put down a big question mark next to how long it'll take. Then you could yeah. go, if it might get done in an hour, you can go like, well, let's see if we can get this done in an hour. And then if you can't, then it's like, then update the plan. Or if the numbers are bigger and it's 10 hours or a hundred hours, then you could spend the first couple hours just making sure it's the 10 hour variant. And then you can schedule that for days instead of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And typically with, uh, with stuff like this, I'm not trying to get a very high degree of precision on, or it's like, if we can break down the actual hours, um, I, you know, my, my, like that, that's actually probably more granular than I'd ever go. Um, with, with, uh, like days and weeks, uh, I think this, this, this starts to actually, it's like you, you can, all of these tiny little kind of, uh, all kind of, uh, decisions, tiny, uh, uh, different curves, they individually might be all over the place, but if you aggregate enough of them, you can kind of sort of get a sense of it. And so if you're thinking about, uh, you know, if you're, yeah, if you're trying to estimate the, the, a, a single thing that's, uh, you know, I would say just good luck. The, <laughs> but if you're, you know, putting together something that, uh, that, that encompasses multiple, you can sort of try to get a proof of concept across the, the, the biggest chunks of that and then put together a more, um, a, a more high fidelity estimation after getting started. That is something that, uh, that I, I find, uh, you know, probably doesn't happen often enough is revising estimates. Yeah. Once new information has, uh, has been made available. Yeah. And on, on that note, and by the way, before we go on, I like, think that his Kai's advice is good. If you have a naturally good sense of these, I think if you don't, if you have a bad time sense, like I did, it's worth working on the hours level periodically as like, like, like deep and granular for a while because like hours roll up into days and, and weeks and stuff. So as training, then once you get it, you don't even like, I can now do it just on feel, but I needed to go through getting down to hours for a while. Kai maybe never did because he had a less optimistic, um, less wishful thinking, more engineering, more precise thing than me. As far as updating project plans, um, like how often do you do this? Do you have set days a week? Do you do it? Do you do it when you need? You know you need to do it. How often do you generally do it? Uh, you mean revising? Yeah, revising it? your like wild guesses as to how long this thing is going to take once you've done a little more of it and gotten more information. It really depends on how structured um, I'm. I'm trying to be. If it's just a personal project and I don't uh, kind of am not you know. Um, not collaborating with, with other people, not, uh, not, you know, then I tend to keep it pretty unstructured. It's really just one phase of, uh, phase at a time. And, you know, the, the completion of previous work kind of triggers the, you know, the, the, okay, well, what comes next? And, uh, and, and with an eye towards maybe a more global, um, kind of timeline, right? Individual tasks, like really I don't really try to pen estimates on, 
Um, but I try to then scope to some further future date. Cool. And I think there'd be two useful things. And by the way, if somebody's looking for a rule there, twice a week, a little bit um, is not a bad starting place. That's me. Um, Sunday and Wednesday are not bad. If you need a rule to jump off, um, then actually the correct answer is like, well, how often do we need to do that? And are there other people involved? And what's the, you know, whatever, right? How often can you actually, or are you actually going to adjust things? Uh, shorter is better. Yeah. Shorter, shorter is better, but will cost more. True. Um, and, or depending on how lightweight it is, you can yeah. change a couple different dials here. But, uh, but yeah. All right. And there's two more things we got to hit. The first thing is unknown work. Take your initial estimate, multiply by four. Yeah, this is, uh, this, this, this is, uh, I would say somewhat of a joke, but as, is one that tends to be, um, tends to be pretty real, pretty true. Um, well, like a lot, again, like the, the, the optimism around, I think, uh, especially when we're talking about how long will it take for I, for, for us to do this, um, you know, oftentimes has a, has a bit of, has a bit of, um, I think optimism and, and yeah, just idealism baked in. And so the four arbitrary number, maybe in different fields, it's actually a different value. Um, you know, I think in, in software and project management, this, uh, not hold up, not hold up. It actually holds up in everything. In every field I've operated in, it will always take four times longer to do the stuff that you estimated. I mean, you know, Nabila, um, on our, on our growth team, uh, so she's mostly doing marketing, but she wanted to do a programming project. So she built our merchandise store. It's actually more technically complex than you think of like, okay, shirt sizes and inventories and orders and payments. There's like a lot of communication behind the scenes. So if you want to work harder shirt, by the way, it's, it, it gets reactions from people. You either like it or you don't. Right. And people that like it, like it a lot. Ultraworking.com slash merch. Shout out to Nabila. She did a great job on that. But like everyone kind of like looking at that and everyone naively is like two to three weeks. Yeah, it's gonna be like two to three weeks. Okay. So we got the webpage. We got some good photos of people wearing shirts looking good. And, you know, we already know who we're going to have make the shirts. And, you know, we got all the pieces. You just got to glue them together. And everyone's like, yeah, two to three weeks, two to three weeks. And kind of like, eight to 12 weeks <laughs> and lo and behold it was like we two three months after we wanted to do this because it was a part-time project in the background if it's the only thing you were doing it'd be faster obviously right so that's that's consistent and people hate that like because if you think a project's 20 hours you could blitz it out you could put your head down and just work for three days straight and it's done right but if it's 80 hours you got to be pretty consistently good for the next two weeks then you look at well i'm going to wedding and i got this other thing i need to do and i have a deadline so that pushes it back and so like you multiply by four and then look at it and see if it's still good and then if you don't like it then you make adjustments which gets to the final point that i think is a grand master point here which is scoping to time or scoping to quality Right. And I think this would be a good final thing. Right. So we talk about scoping, like what's the scope of a project, right? Of like, what is a done project? Right. So there's the prediction, right. But there's also like, what do we want? Right. So you, you could define, am I trying to write a poem that's as good as Paradise Lost? It's just like going to live for centuries. Um, John Milton, Paradise Lost, great poem, um, epic poem, hundreds of pages of iambic pentameter or blank, blank verse or whatever. Um, it's really great. If you're trying to write John Milton, right? It'll, it'll take a long time. It took him, I don't know, his whole life or whatever to do it, right? Um, on the other hand, if you're like, I'm going to get a poem done by Friday, right? You might not have John Milton. What you can't say is I'll get John Milton quality by Friday, 
right? You could say I'll get up home by Friday. You could say I'll do John Milton in however long it takes, but you can't say I'll have John Milton by Friday. And that's scoping to time or scoping to quality. So like there's trade-offs on here. Let's just riff on this for a second. Cause I think if people have this mental model, this can help people a lot. And this is why, by the way, the flip side of this is this is what deadlines do. A deadline is scoping to time. We will release whatever we have you know, on the 30th of the month, right? So what, what, what's your take on the trade-offs here? Scope to time, scope to quality. Uh, I think either could work. It's really uh, a, I think some of this is, is closer to a personality and culture thing, right? Is the, in a lot of ways, uh, the, I think you want to pick the one that, uh, that, that counteracts whatever your natural tendencies flaws would be. Right, so people with a more perfectionist uh, streak in them uh, should maybe think about setting some deadlines and figuring out a way to negotiate that with themselves or or kind of their their, their team so that uh, they can use it as a way to mitigate the tendencies. I think you know some other people might more have a you know like ready fire aim approach sloppy I mean, sloppy is yeah. the guy's being kind to slop sloppy people Te- technical term sloppy um is a well it's like you know quality bar of some sort you know, the, like what this actually has to deliver the outcome right we can't just do the work and you know toss it over the wall and and you know call it a day so again i i see this as a as a kind of tendency mitigation um no that, that's my initial thought on it just to try to give you this final mental model, right? When you say, when will the project be done? There's two ways to do it. We will release this when it's excellent, when it does these three things super well, right? You can say that, you can specify that. If you really are dead set on that and won't compromise, you can't set the exact day. Cause like, what if it's not done on that day? Or I mean, you ask yourself that question. If these three things don't do this thing excellently, on that day, what will you do? So obviously in high precision fields, medical equipment, nuclear reactors and things like that, they're not, they're hopefully not gonna say, okay, we're gonna get it to you on October 1st, no matter what. It's like, no, 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 this reactor needs to be super safe for all these use cases before the thing comes online. And like, we're, we think maybe October 1st, same with NASA, right? You know, you can't just say, okay, we're gonna launch the thing on this date. The, the Challenger tragedy was some of them like compromising on quality to hit a certain date um, and, and then, you know, you don't want to do that with putting stuff in a space, right? So sometimes you have to scope to time or quality, right? If your professor's insisting you have to submit an assignment on a certain date or you're going to fail your university class, then you're scoping to time on that. You will do whatever you can for the assignment before that time, and then you'll hand it in. Um, and what Kai's saying here is if you a little bit are like doing stuff that's a little bit lame, like you're shipping stuff that's like, just like you get it out, you're like, bang, you're fast. You get stuff out the door, but it kind of sucks. Then say, I'm not going to release this until it does these three things and it sparkles. I'm not gonna put this out until this cover, when I hold it up against these other five books in this space, the cover of my book just like fits in with these and is even the best of these five. So I've got these five books. When I set my book next to it, I want my cover to look better than these other five good books. And I won't release the thing until that's done. If you're fast moving, right? That's good because you're still gonna keep moving fast. On the other hand, if you like work the craftsmanship and you already have the best cover, but you're like, but let me maybe, Kern the corner a little bit better on the time. Like it's already exceptional. Then you say, all right, that's coming out next Friday. Make it as good as we can until then. And then you roll. This is a journey as we touched on earlier in the show. You can get really good at this in, you can make significant strides in this in three to six weeks. And I think our customers, like work cycles 
gets you pretty good about what you could do in a day, which then aggregates together. So I think our customers get pretty dialed in. It's about three to six weeks, depending on how heavy your usage is, six to be conservative. Um, and then six months, you can like, no, you'll still get stuff wrong from time to time, especially new stuff. But like, you can like know how long things take and design your life accordingly and get them out when you want to get them out, which is a game changer. Um, but it is, a, it is a process to learn. So we covered a bunch of stuff in the show. We'll have them on the show notes. There's things like thinking about L-shaped curves and de-risking them. There's things about thinking about your personality types, asking what other organizations, how long it would take other people to do uh, instead of yourself. There's doing some regular reviews. These are just a bunch of very simple practices. None of this is rocket science. This is just you put in the work and you get good at it and your products get done. Kai, it's always a pleasure. It's a pleasure to work with you. And now it's a pleasure to be podcasting with you. I get the wider world gets access to this type of thinking and grand mastery. And yeah, this is fun. Absolutely. So yeah. we'll see you on the show notes, ultraworking.com slash podcast. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Sebastian Marshall and Kai Zhao signing out. Good luck and Godspeed and farewell. <laughs>